Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me, whether you're in the car, in the gym, walking your dog or however you listen to the podcast. It's fantastic to have you here. If you'd like to know more about how to be part of the community, sign up to the newsletter, which then gives you access to the Facebook group. And also you can get a free copy of our FIRE download to support you as an educator. If you go to educationonfire.com forward slash FIRE, you can sign up there and get access to all of these things. And we'll keep you posted about everything that's going on within Education on Fire. One of the things we've spoken quite a lot about recently is coaching people, making sure the environment's right for, for students to learn. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Noreen Russell, and she's the founder and owner of Russell Coaching for Students. It's an international student coaching practice that provides support for typical and atypical students in the areas of executive functioning, social and emotional skills, academic and study skills and other life skills. With 20 years of experience supporting healthy youth development and conducting parenting education, Dr. Russell has extensive knowledge of children and adolescent development, learning styles, special needs and positive parenting philosophies. The headquarters are in Tampa, Florida, but Russell Coaching currently serves students in the US, Canada and in the UK. Dr. Russell has a PhD in psychology from Bowling Green State University with a focus on both psychology and education. Now, I'm really looking forward to sharing this fantastic conversation with you. But just before we do, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. The National Association for Primary Education is a non-political UK charity. As Vice Chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's N-A-P-E org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Hello, Noreen. Thank you so much for being here on the Education on Fire podcast. We talk a lot about tutoring. We talk a lot about coaching. We talk a lot about helping students in our own individual ways. And I'm really excited to, to hear about your take on it and how you go about supporting so many people. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start with a little bit of, of where you're based and, and exactly the sort of organization and coaching that you do. Sure. I am based actually in Tampa um, in Florida and at um, my coaching practice, we went national and then international a few years ago. So we see students across the United States, Canada and in the UK. Um, and so we work via Skype or Zoom, and our coaches are located all across the United States. And then we see students um, kind of everywhere and are open to new developments as well. I just did a, a meeting in Dallas where there were people from China and Singapore. So uh, maybe we'll expand there shortly. I mean, that truly ability to have that kind of international flavor, isn't it, is amazing now. It's like kind of, I need help and support in whatever way and where can I find it? And that doesn't mean to say it's the person who lives down the street who happens to have some qualification in something you're looking for. It now really is I can find the best person and the best fit for me. Yes, yes. And I think when it comes to certain specialized services, 
the, um, you know, this is where technology and the internet really has been a great thing, um, you know, that, that people can connect with people around the world and um, ask questions of experts around the world and, and get help that can in some ways not be available in every town, you know, in your state or your province or your country. And do you do you still do sort of that face to face sort of eyeball to eyeball kind of coaching as well if, if people happen to live close enough by? You know, we've made a decision that we want our model over it's usually Zoom to be the best and strongest model that we have. And so we've made a business decision really that we work entirely by Zoom. Um, because we want to make sure that we are developing all of our skills so that the students that see us on Zoom are getting our very best. And most students that we see are not in the same town as their coach. So I have a couple students from, you know, years ago that I've been seeing for quite some time that I do see in person. But other than that, no, for the last two or three years, everyone has come on um, and worked through our, our Zoom model, even before the pandemic in March of 2020. And so um, we've just kind of made a business decision that we don't want to be developing two different models because we don't see ourselves going back to, um, you know, only being in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And it must be, it must be something that you took with a great sigh of relief that, you know, everything shut down and you were already in place just to take forward what you already had and and that must have been such a yeah such a relief and a and a blessing in so many ways it was an interesting um coincidence but it was very nice to have had a little bit of a, a head start and a leg up on moving our model from being you know in person in an office space you had to drive to to you know kids can connect with us at any point and at any time and i'll say also i think that coaching by zoom is really not that different from meeting in person which makes it different from counseling or a class you know i think those two things while we're very similar to them you know i think coaching is actually a little better suited for um, online because it's one-on-one -on -one and it's so practical and applied. So yeah, we, um, we've not had a difficult time, which I, I sort of feel badly about because, um, so many people have struggled with resources and help. And then, you know, from the business side, their businesses, but we've had a pretty seamless transition, which I am thankful for and thankful for the opportunity to provide help and support to families who've needed us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the really positive thing that's come out of this is the fact that people are much more comfortable, aren't they, now through Zoom and actually just the online idea that this is what's gonna what's gonna happen. And so therefore not only are you open to the people that would have been open to it before, but sort of across the nation and across the world, it's just become the norm now. And that must kind of get rid of a barrier and and give you access to many more people that you can support. Absolutely. So Let's dive a little bit into the types of students and the types of people that you help. And also, like we said, the, the differentiation between, you know, a coach and a tutor and counselling and, and sort of why you sort of fit exactly where you do within that sort of model. Sure. So at my practice, we 
generally see students who have executive functioning difficulties. And this is just the terminology, the jargon that um, psychologists and educators are using for the life skills that we've all needed our whole lives. It's time management, it's planning, it's prioritizing, it's organization, it's getting started on things, it's finishing things that we're tired of, it's figuring out, are we really approaching this in the best way possible? So, you know, executive functioning skills are nothing fancy. They're called executive functioning skills because it refers to the fact that the frontal lobe in the front of our brain is really the um, CEO of the brain. And these skills are managed in the frontal lobe. So um, somebody, I think, apparently thought they were very clever to call them executive functioning skills. I'm not sure myself if, if the phrase makes a lot of sense, but um, I like to unpack that for people because I don't think that it is easily apparent. What are we talking about students and executive functioning skills for? What does that mean? So it's just it's planning, it's prioritizing, it's organization, it's getting started on things, finishing things, um, controlling impulses, you know, all of those basic skills. And what they really are is they're different from the academic skills that students also need, right? So the ability to write, the ability to read, your math facts, but they are just as important as those academic skills. So we work with students on the executive functioning skills and students could have a um, deficit or a delay in their executive functioning skills for lots of reasons. So. ADHD, of course, is um, probably the most common reason, but then there are students who also are on the autism spectrum who have executive functioning difficulties. Of course, students who have um, diagnoses like anxiety or depression can also have difficulties with executive functioning. And to some extent, students who learn differently, um, who might have dyslexia or dyscalculia, also um, might have executive functioning difficulties. Now, there's a whole host of other reasons also, you know, that, that people in um, other time periods and developmental periods might have these executive functioning difficulties. You might have had a stroke, for example, and that would impact your executive functioning. But when it comes to students and executive functioning, generally we're talking about kids who have ADHD, autism, anxiety, depression, learning differences. And when you, you speak to these students, how do you sort of sort of start to un unpack that? You know, do you start to unpack it as it they are their their difficulties that are specific to them and and I'm very big on personalized learning. So everything is individual to every single person and, and sort of that separating out of the academic and, and, uh, and the executive function, as you said. So how do you sort of just sort of break into that and start to unpack it for them? Right. So I am 100% with you. And I think this is why I love coaching so much is the personalized, customized aspect to this. I was a pretty atypical learner growing up and never really fit into the box. And I now am the mom of two students who are pretty atypical learners. And I don't know as much as I love learning and knowledge and information and ideas. I don't know that I ever would have been a great teacher because I do think that personalization aspect is so important. So in our practice, we do an assessment of their um, learning and study skills strategies. Um, every student 
goes and does an assessment that we use of learning and study skills. And then we also do an assessment of executive functioning skills so we know where their strengths and weaknesses are. And then we also do a strengths finder so that we're really getting this very clear, very individual picture of where are the academic strengths and weaknesses, where are the executive functioning strengths and weaknesses, and then in kind of the bigger picture of who they are as a person, what are their strengths? Because coaching should be strengths-based, right? So we need to know where are the deficits for sure, but where are the strengths that we can build on? If you're a super organized person, we might be able to use that to compensate for some of the problems that you have with task initiation, for example. So the entire first four weeks of our coaching process is really given to constructing this individualized picture of the student as a learner and a person. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I love the fact that the way you talked about it in, in those terms, because of course, I always think that we get very kind of blanket orientated, you know, like I said, it's executive function, it's academics. It's, it's like saying, I'm good at sport, I'm not good at sport. I might be fantastic at football, but terrible at skiing. But that doesn't mean to say I'm good or bad at sport. It means there are certain aspects of this particular thing, which I have different skill sets in as well. And I think sort of unpacking all of those things to say, I'm good at this. These are my strengths. This is where I can can put my energy and also how I can then support other parts of my life. And then all of a sudden, it's, I think it starts to feel like you have some control because you really understand what it is that you have to offer and also how you can compensate for anything that you might be finding difficult. Yes, exactly. Like if you know, for example, now I don't want to go near the football thing because of course, I'm thinking you're talking about American football, but you're talking about what we call soccer, which everyone should know now, right? Because of Ted Lasso. But let's think about soccer, if you will, or football, which maybe I shouldn't have even gone here, but you could be great at certain aspects of that sport, but not good at other aspects, right? And so we have to figure out what are your strengths, right? Maybe you're supposed to be the goalie or maybe you're supposed to be, I don't know what Jamie's character, I don't know anything about soccer, so I don't know on Ted Lasso what his, you know, what his thing is, the person who scores the goal, right? I know baseball pretty well. Um, and so, right, if we can figure out what your strengths are, then we can develop those strengths. And those can be the things that carry you through in a lot of ways. But also, I think in the work that I do, so many students with ADHD are characterized wrongly, inappropriately, and I, I, I think morally wrong as lazy or unmotivated, right? So if we can start to look at these things from a skill set perspective, right? You have a problem with task initiation. You get overwhelmed with starting things. We can start to break down that idea that sometimes parents or teachers have that this student is lazy or they don't care. Whereas in fact, right, their brain has a hard time processing three pages of directions that they've been given to do the term project. And so when we take a look at it from a what is this student's exact skill set, then we can, I think, help other people also understand, you know what, this is a skill set. This isn't a character trait or, you know, morality issue. 
And I think the thing, what I really liked, what you just started to touch on there is the fact that it's also how we interact with each other, you know, how you know about me and my strengths and how that fits in, for example, to our family life or how it would fit into our community in a school classroom or whatever it happens to be. It is that kind of understanding and whether that goes from compassion or empathy or however, um, you know, you sort of you sort of think about it, I guess. It just means that everybody can sort of see everybody, like you say, rather than just those big labels. And so tell us in terms of the, the coaching, you said that's sort of your starting point and how you sort of get going. Is there a length of time the programming works for? Does it depend on each individual student? How, how does it sort of develop once you've got through that initial stage? So what we've learned over the last 12 years or so is that it takes most students about a semester to figure out, okay, these are my top three strengths when it comes to executive functioning. And these are the three skill sets that I really need to develop that are not well enough developed to be helping me, right? So we start off always with three, three strengths, three weaknesses, and the same thing with the academic skills. And so what we found is really takes about a semester or a term for the student to try some different strategies to build those skills and to get those pretty firmly in place. And so a rough estimate is really one semester or one term. Many of our students are with us for a year or so because you know they often can come to us a little bit delayed or you know the medical treatment side of the ADHD is is not quite fine-tuned or optimized and so we're kind of working with the medical provider providing them feedback from what we see so that they can fine-tune the medication so that the neurological symptoms can be under control so they can learn skills and strategies um, and then there are some students who are with us for longer simply because you know for ADHD, there is typically a delay of about 30%. And so if you think of a high school student who's, you know, very bright and wants to do well and is, you know, really interested in maybe their STEM program or is really interested in drama, but they're kind of constantly running a little bit behind their classmates in terms of maturity, brain maturity, social and emotional development because of ADHD, they might require some support and scaffolding, you know, for a few years. Um, and so the intervention time, I always say, is about a term, but the support can, can go on for as long as the student needs it until they kind of catch up to the demands of whatever educational environment they're in does that make sense yeah absolutely it makes a lot of sense and, and i like the way you break it down then like from the in, the intervention to then the support because i think i think we can all relate to the fact that all of our learning is a journey and and there are times when it's difficult there's times when things click but there's also that kind of it's almost like a healing process when when, when you sort of you realize that actually oh yeah it's actually okay now um I'm supported I've got someone who's helping me I can help myself I feel like I am me and I can take the steps I need to do and that just takes time and like you say there's a little bit of ebb and flow there in terms of of all those things that you mentioned so I think it, I think it's really clear and, and really yeah work, works in, in in a really sort of 
personalized, but also like say there's a framework there which which people can identify with. Um, you mentioned you had coaches around the around the US, and so so tell us sort of the, the setup of, of of how it works in terms of people's relationship with you and the number of coaches and, and how people work in that way. Sure, I'd love to. So um, people come to our practice from lots of different ways. Um, they might receive a referral from a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And, you know, we're always um, interested in getting to know people around the world who can um, benefit from having somewhere to refer their clients to. Of course, that started with a more local network in Tampa. And now we're trying to focus on building our networks in some of the other major cities that, that we have some um, clients in. But we, we also just love to meet psychologists and psychiatrists who are looking for coaches who can who can help their clients who they're seeing either for therapy or for you know the meds management piece of things so clients could come to us through referral they um because i've been doing podcasts now for the last several months they might hear me on a podcast and and call our practice um, they might find me through googling something like adhd help or executive functioning difficulties um, and then quite honestly a lot of our practice is still word of mouth, right? So there'll be the mom in Montana who says to me, oh, you know, my sister, her son just got diagnosed and he is, you know, has mild autism and is on the 88 and is has ADHD. And I think they would really need to talk to you. So we still do have a lot of word of mouth. So that's, you know, how people get to us really varies from person to person, but those are in general the ways. Um, most people don't know that there is such a thing as academic and ADHD coaching. And that's really why I started going on podcasts and looking for that opportunity, because I know that this is often the missing link for families, right? They've done tutoring, they've done counseling, they've got medication, and yet it's this skills and strategies piece that's missing. And so most people don't know that they could look for you know, an academic coach or an ADHD coach. So we're trying to change that and help people to understand that this can be another valuable part of your multimodal treatment for, especially for ADHD. Then they come to us. Um, I do all the intakes for the practice and make sure that all the dots are getting connected, form a rapport and a relationship with the parents. And then, you know, the match process I think is as, um, much art as it is science um and so you know that takes a little bit of thought and um i don't know just a good sense of of people to match the new student with the coach um you know we all of our coaches are trained in our model but of course people have different personalities they have different energy levels they have you know particular interests and there might be some reason to match a particular student and a coach and and then the coach um, meets the student and begins the work of really discovering that student's individual profile and then what we really focus on after that is applying project management principles to academics. So for your listeners, project management is, is a skill set that many people in lots of different careers use, right? But it's all about, okay, 
what's the deliverable, when is it due, and how do we get it done, right? So for students, the deliverables, if you will, are tests, their term papers, their classwork. And so in our model, we take a look at each course as a project and help the student figure out how do you successfully manage that project or course in this situation? What does this um, teacher or professor expect from you? What skills are needed? How do they communicate? When's the next big deadline? How do you work backwards so that you know that you're prepared for the test? One of the great things about technology is, of course, these education portals, which has been great. But I think one of the downsides is that it still teaches students to look at what's due today because all of the portals are designed where you can go into the class and look at the class in depth, or you can just go to the calendar. And so we are constantly working with students to stay away from the calendar, like stay away from what do you need to do today? We need to be looking long-term at, you know, what's coming up and how do you get prepared? The same way that you do with this podcast. You know, I've been getting emails from you for the last few weeks saying, don't forget you have this appointment. Don't forget this is where you log in. Um, and it's those same principles that we try to apply to their educational responsibilities. And I think what I love so much is the fact that we can talk about education from here to eternity. But what you're able to do is one, not just understand it and do it, but there is that support and the fact that, you know, someone's listening and they're thinking that's exactly what I need for my son or daughter. They can also reach out and do it. And, and I love the fact that in this day and age, you can completely sort of join the dots and complete the circle in the space of a conversation. And, and, and I think I think that's such a it's such an amazing thing to be able to do. It's, it's why I get excited about doing the podcast, but also why it's so nice to hear so many people being able to share their passions through it and have that knowledge and understanding and, and be able to, like I said, sort of join those dots up for people and, and, and make such a difference in so many people's lives. So let's just wind back a little bit into into your educational experience. And I know these things always have a little bit of an impact on, on how we go forward into our adult lives, especially if we're involved in, in teaching or learning or coaching. Um, but is there a teacher or an education experience which um, sort of sticks in your mind? And, and tell us a bit about that. Absolutely, for sure. Um, for me, it was really my dissertation advisor. And I think it was... When I got to that level in my education, that's when I felt that I really got engaged in learning. Not that there weren't challenges before that, not that I didn't have studying to do, not that I didn't enjoy learning, but it was when I got to that level of graduate school where someone was taking a personal interest in me and someone was asking questions of me that really challenged my skill level that took me to the next level. And um, his name was Stu Keeley, Dr. Stuart Keeley. And I did my graduate work at Bowling Green in Bowling Green, Ohio. And just, I think the impact that his whole way of teaching, which was based in Socratic questioning, but also this deep connected listening, right? Not Socratic questioning and critical thinking from a, I'm going to tear your argument apart, but from a, I really want to understand you and bring out the thoughts that you have in your head. I believe 
that there is something inside your brain that's connecting all of these dots that is valuable, that the world needs to hear. And it was just the most powerful education experience, but also the most powerful human experience to be listened to, right? And to have my thoughts nurtured. And that's what my dissertation was about, was um, Socratic questioning and connected listening. And it, it's kind of interesting now, 25 years later, to be back. Um, I, I, you know, people constantly are asking me, are you going to write a book? And I don't, I don't really feel like I have anything to say as an author. I think I am at heart a pra practitioner. I'm good at applying other people's ideas. But if I was ever going to write a book, it really would be about Socratic coaching and connected listening, because that's what I think Dr. Keeley gave to me was this confidence in myself that I had a voice and I had something to say, which was interesting to me because I was a bright student. I went to good schools. I got a great education. I did hard work, but I wasn't really on fire about education and I didn't really challenge myself until he became my dissertation advisor. So I don't know, maybe that's a little bit more of a serious story than my my third grade teacher who believed in me or my sixth grade teacher who taught me to love science. But um, for me, it, it it was Stu Keeley at the dissertation level. Yeah, I think it's so different for everybody. And I think it's all about relationships. It's all about feeling sort of both sides in terms of what you take from it and, and how you sort of deal with those things. And 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 I re and I really like that, and and it just reminded me of the whole idea of questioning, in how certainly as parents and teachers as well, so often we try to give information, we try and make children see something, and some of the most powerful things you can do is just to ask a question, which opens that door, that sends them down a path they might not have done without that question and then just leave it don't don't need an answer don't even necessarily need any feedback in that initial moment but just kind of like you say it just makes you think in a different way it makes you work in a different way as a human being and I think a succession of those sometimes can actually be more powerful than than anything else and it just reminded me of that as you were talking about sort of the ideas of questioning as well as having that sort of conversation and being able to go back and forth um you you must get and you must deliver so much valuable information but i'm i'm interested is there a piece of advice that you were given which had a big impact you or is there a piece of advice you would now give your younger self looking back that you think would have made a big difference on your life you know i think i was not unlike a lot of um gifted students who were able to kind of skate through school, you know, there's an upside and a downside to being quite bright. And the upside is that school generally isn't stressful. You know, you learn easily, your teachers generally like you, you make good marks. Um, I think the downside is that sometimes if you're quite bright, you don't have to learn those skills of hard work and engagement, and you don't necessarily develop the curiosity um, to learn about your work because so much of it seems to come so easily. So I hope this doesn't come across in any way as, I don't know, anything other than just my truth. But I, I really wish that someone had said to me much earlier in my education, 
you are very bright and very gifted, but you will enjoy learning how to work hard. You know, I remember my father used to say, oh, you just put the book under your pillow and you know it all. And it sort of fed this, you know, mentality of things just come easy to you. And no one ever sort of said, and if you learn to also work hard, you would engage that much more. And so we work with a lot of students in my practice who are also, they're very bright, they're very gifted. Um, we work with a number of students who, you know, are twice exceptional. They might fit the qualifications for being technically gifted with a, a very high IQ and have ADHD or autism. And I think one of the pieces of advice that I constantly am giving is, yes, you're very bright, but sometimes your brain will kind of trick you into thinking that's enough. And so we have to consciously work on developing your thinking skills. So again, I, I'm feeling self-conscious. That's a very serious answer um, to, to your question. But I do think that, that it's, for me, relevant. That if someone had said, yes, you're smart, but you need to learn to work hard a little sooner and really helped me understand what does that mean for me? Because I probably would have just shrugged them off and said, I'm getting A's. What's the problem? <laughs> Absolutely. And that what that does is it it kind of feeds back into that standardized education, doesn't it? Because like I say, if you don't have to work very hard and you're getting straight A's and you're doing brilliantly, then what else is there to do? But as soon as it becomes a personalized learning, but look at what else there is. It might not be related to this you're particularly doing in school, but there's this whole other world or something you can get involved in or or like you say, just study in a different way and that worth ethic ethic is then needed in order to take you into this whole new dimension of what you're learning then then you start to get that and um and i think that's the thing again it's about the personalized learning isn't it? it doesn't matter where you are on that level or that spectrum of any of those things it's kind of reaching your potential and, and maximizing what you have to offer in the world so no it, it does make an awful lot of sense that and is there a resource you'd like to share with us? And I'm always very keen to sort of just to verify the fact that it could be a song, it could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a, a, anything, but something which has impacted you, which you, you think would be good to share. You know, um, I think a resource that I love and I recommend this to parents all the time is um, it's a New York-based organization called Child Mind. And what I love about it is that it is so practical and so applied and really looks at you know the intersection of mental health and well-being and so there's just lots of great information on childmind.org about okay your child has an adhd diagnosis or they have an autism diagnosis this is what you do or you're worried that maybe they have some symptoms that look like this where do you go you know it's very comprehensive, it's science-based, and it's so practical. You know, when I look back on, you know, what I would have needed in my own journey as a mom, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I wish that Child Mind had been around the organization and that the resources as they are now are out there. So I think they're great. You know, I think 
Attitude um, magazine and the website is also a really great um, source. And I know they have experts from across the entire world. Um, and so I, I really, I think those are my, my top two for science-based, accurate, practical information that, that helps parents. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Noreen, it's been it's been amazing chatting to you. I I, I love the experience. I love the the knowing, and also you know, there's, there's a warmth and and a and a kind of an understanding. I think that, that just sort of comes through as, as you're chatting, and I can understand why all those people that are lucky enough to be coached um, through what you're doing really do have that opportunity, like you say, to assess where they are, what they are, who they are, how they can go forward, and then get that support beyond that. So um, thank you so much for sharing it, um, and, and tell us where people can find out more if they want to get involved. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. It's been a real um, treat to talk with you this morning. I was honored that you invited me. I love what you stand for. I love the values you represent. And so that's been a really fun part of being on this podcast journey is connecting with people that don't live on your street or in your neighborhood, but that inspire you, um, which definitely you you fall on that list for me. So if people um, think that they'd like to learn more about what we do and how we do it, our website is russellcoaching.com, and that has two S's and two L's, russellcoaching.com. I'm on LinkedIn. We're at um, Russell Coaching LLC on Instagram if you want some inspiration and, and tips. And our office phone number is 212-716-1161. And of course, on the website, you can also fill out a form and we can be in touch with you using email or text or things like that. So um, we'd love to help you if, if you feel like, gosh, this is my student. We're struggling with this. It's He's bright, but he's disorganized or my least favorite word, unmotivated, You know, which really means that he needs to develop some skills in how to get things done. So absolutely, if anyone is listening anywhere, we would love to help you if you're struggling with how to help your student with really being successful in school with their academic and executive functioning skills. Fantastic. Well, Noin, thank you so much for being here. If anyone didn't quite get all that information, um, if you just put Noin Russell into the search bar of Education on Fire, that'll pop up and we'll have links to all of those things that she's mentioned, which is hopefully going to be helpful in terms of just clicking straight through to connect. So yeah, Noin, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. It's such a pleasure to be able to bring you such wisdom and inspiration. If I could ask you to do one thing, please share this podcast with one other person just so that we can really make the most of our ripple effect of being able to just reach as many people as possible. And that way we can make the biggest difference in the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about the community and how to get involved, please go to educationonfire.com forward slash fire. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.